Hey guys, welcome to our Men of Valor podcast. My name is Casey McCauley, and I want to commend you for your commitment to study God's Word in community. It's a blessing to hear the Word of God on Sundays at our church, and then to study and discuss God's Word together all throughout the week in our Harvest groups. And if you're not part of a Harvest group, you can sign up at harvest.church groups. As brothers in Christ, we need each other. And in Harvest groups, you'll see how discipleship happens together. And we see this so clearly in our study on what the Bible says about relationships. Am I doing this right? It's a question we've all asked. And really, it's a question we're forced to ask. We can't avoid it. Why? Because we are relational beings. It's who we are. Because it's also who God is. And that's why it matters. When I was younger in my faith, one of my mentors randomly asked me a question. He said, Casey... What's the most important thing in life? It felt like a pop quiz, so I took a moment to think about it, and I said, well, uh, to love God and to love others. That's great, he said, and what's that called? I said, well, it's what Jesus calls the greatest commandments. Right. But how would you describe that? Uh, I'm not sure. Is this a trick question? And finally, to get his point across, he answered, relationships. Life is all about relationships relationship with God and with others. And since that question, I can't unhear that truth or unsee it in scripture. Think about the storyline of scripture. It's all about relationships. God has existed from all of eternity in a community of love as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God created us in his image and likeness as relational beings, both with God and others. But sin entered into the world, and sin separates us from God and from each other. But... Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are reconciled to God and we now have the ministry of reconciliation. And finally, in the new heavens and new earth, we will be eternally at home with the Lord, where the dwelling place of God is with man. And so, in the storyline of scripture, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, we see that the most important thing in life is relationships, with God, with others, love that is both vertical and horizontal. And when we do this, we experience life as it was meant to be lived. The commandments of relationships to love God and others allows us to experience all of the healthy components of relationships. As it's been observed, it's to have covenant, to love and be loved, grace, to forgive and be forgiven, empowerment, to serve and be served, and intimacy, to know and to be known. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about a kind of relationship that is one of the most familiar, yet so easily forgotten. One that's so important, yet so often not intentional. It's the relationship of friendship. To have authentic friends and to be an authentic friend. As relational beings, we all have a desire to be known and wanted. Maybe this is why television shows that have to do with community are so popular. You might think of the show Cheers with the theme song, Sometimes You Want to Go Where Everybody Knows Your Name. Or the show Friends with the song, I'll Be There For You. We have lots of different kinds of friends. Lifelong friends, best friends forever, our BFFs, close friends, casual friends, social media quote-unquote friends, and even just acquaintances or friends of convenience, like guys with trucks who only hear from their friends when they need help moving something. Be honest, we've all been there. 
But in our lesson, we're talking about authentic and meaningful friendship, what might be called spiritual fellowship and biblical friendship. And one of the greatest examples of friendship in the Bible is between David and Jonathan. As Pastor Greg shares in his message, and as our workbook states, David and Jonathan showed extreme love and loyalty to each other, even in some crazy circumstances. It's a great example of deep male friendship, which is why it's one of the most celebrated friendships in all of literature. As I reflected on their example of friendship, I think of these two things, the commonality of friendship and the commitment of friendship. In a great book that I'd recommend called Made for Friendship, The Relationship That Halves Our Sorrows and Doubles Our Joys, author Drew Hunter defines friendships like this, as an affectionate bond forged between two people as a journey through life with openness and trust. And that's exactly what we see in David and Jonathan. First, think about how friendships often have a strong commonality, something that brings people together. For the Christian, this is something that goes much deeper than surface-level interests. It's the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1-3 to 3, records how David and Jonathan instantly clicked. It says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. This event happens right after David slays Goliath. David is the giant killer who trusted in the Lord. But this is more than being impressed. I'm sure Jonathan saw David's strength and courage, and it was as if their hearts marched to the beat of the same Israeli horn or battle cry. Like David rising up to Goliath, Jonathan gives a similar statement in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, about how the Lord will save. So when Israel was still under the threat of the Philistines and David rose to the occasion, Jonathan saw that David was of like mind and heart. Spiritually speaking, this is to view life from the same divine perspective, to have the same worldview and look at life, to have the same Lord, to have the same Savior. You see, people experience community in all kinds of ways. Friendships are based on common interests, hobbies, and life stages. We tend to hang out with people who are similar to us. As guys, we see many friendships centered on sports, careers, cars and bikes, CrossFit, hiking, fishing, hunting, anything that involves barbecue, you name it. And hey, that's all good. But you see, David and Jonathan had a similarity of the soul. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. This is a brotherhood in the Lord. And as brothers in Christ, we experience this. And I'm so thankful for it. See, I got saved in high school when a friend invited me to come to our church to harvest. Of course, I had a lot of surface level friends, but I experienced a new kind of friendship in the church. Friendship that isn't just based on preferences that can change, but on eternal truths that will never change. Not on something that may temporarily bring us together, but on the one thing that unites us above everything else. That what we have most in common is Jesus, that we are brothers in Christ. But it took me a while to learn this, to be honest. My brother and I would come to church together, but I would walk straight to the car right after service and wait for him to finish talking with all of his friends and then take me home. 
But then I got to know people at church by meeting people before and after service, by being part of a small group, serving in a ministry, asking for prayer and support, being in community together, and it changed everything. Have you experienced this to be true? To have friends who pray for you, encourage you, and point you to the Lord. Someone who forgives when wronged and encourages when struggling. Someone who weeps with you and rejoices with you. And are you that kind of friend to others? That's the beauty of fellowship, which is our shared life in Christ. And that's what we get to experience as a church, especially in the context of harvest groups. So like David and Jonathan, we see that this is supernatural. And this expresses itself in a commitment to one another. Some guys have friendships where it's all about giving to get. They have colleague friends where they selfishly just try to help build their own career or their own network. What's in it for me, they ask. When the benefits aren't there anymore, neither is the friendship. But true love and friendship is the giving of oneself for the better of another. And we see that in our text. Jonathan made a covenant with David. They were committed to each other. In contrast to consumeristic friendship, this is covenantal, a constant and loyal friendship, even in the most difficult of times. We learned in our series on the house of David how Saul was jealous of David and wanted him out of the picture. And Jonathan could have even shared in this, maybe even wanting to be the next king. But God chose David, and Jonathan was committed to that. And this was tested in the face of many trials that they faced, showing the necessity to have a good friend when life is hard. As Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all time and our brother is born for adversity. When David's life was at risk, he relied on that formal commitment that they had. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 8, he says, Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. This phrase, deal kindly, translates as a famous Hebrew word that you may have heard before, hesed, which means steadfast love. You see, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 tells us God is the God who keeps steadfast love. And our commitment and friendship is to each other. It's a beautiful reflection of God's deepest heart of steadfast love. And we see this all throughout the Bible. Just as we saw the importance of relationships in the meta narrative of Scripture, we also see that of friendship. It's been said that the entire history of redemption, in a sense, is a giant cosmic act of friendship. To summarize this, it's been observed, in short, God walked with us in friendship, we walked away, and now he's befriending us again. History tells the drama of friendship created, lost, and then restored. We see this truth displayed in the various covenants that God makes with his people, that he is the befriending God. With Adam, we see that the Lord God walked in the garden. With Noah, he walked with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. David, a man after his own heart. And finally, in the new covenant, we have Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who demonstrated friendship in his life by fully sharing our humanity and demonstrated friendship in his death by fully bearing our sin. In John 15, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus befriends us and now calls us to be friends with others. We pursue the lost for friendship to Christ, and we pursue believers for friendship in Christ. Like David and Jonathan, our friendships can be a reflection of these truths and point to our covenant-keeping God who befriends sinners. And so, brothers, men of valor, don't you see how all of this shows us our need for Jesus and our need for one another? I love what Christian counselor Ed Welch says. He says that we're both needy and needed, needy and needed, and that it's our calling to care for one another. We must admit that we are needy, that we can't do it alone. And all the wives are saying amen right now. And we recognize that we are also needed. Someone else needs you in their lives and you need to be there for them. We need to have authentic friends and we need to be authentic friends to others. You see, some men don't want to admit their need for friendship, whether it's because they're prideful and think they don't need help, or they make the excuse that they're too busy or they're insecure and don't want to be vulnerable and honest. R. Kent Hughes wrote a great book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. And in it, he describes how we are to be men of God focused on growing in Christ with spiritual disciplines. And I appreciate that he wrote a chapter on the discipline of friendship. Commenting on how men can neglect friendships, he writes, Tragically, those who think this way rob themselves, their wives, their children, and the church because they will never be all God wants them to be. Brothers, the fact is we ignore friendship to our own destruction. Loneliness is dangerous. Remember, we are embodied beings, meaning that our mind and emotions are connected to our bodies. And so loneliness and isolation affect every part of us. A former U.S. Surgeon General said that when he saw patients, the most common illness was not cancer or heart disease, but loneliness. That's why prison officials call solitary confinement the prison within the prison. And we know this to be true all the way from the beginning. As God said of Adam in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. Remember, this was said before the fall of mankind. It was to a perfect man in a perfect world and a perfect relationship with God. And we see that the first problem wasn't sin, it was solitude. It's been observed that Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy paradise. We cannot enjoy our joy without human friends. And of course, this is about Eve being Adam's companion, and our wives should be our closest friends. But if this was true in the garden, how much more does it apply today? And so, in reflection on this lesson, what happens when we choose to isolate, to be independent, to be self-sufficient, to be disconnected? Well, you guessed it, it's not good. It's to go against the grain of the universe, to swim upstream, to not live in God's design. We were created for community. We are relational for relationships. We need friends and our friends need us. So friendship, it must be a discipline. We must be intentional about it. Of course, we can't be best friends with everyone, but we can have many good friends and several close friends, even like that of David and Jonathan to have a common cause in Christ 
and a Christ-like commitment to one another. The investment of friendship will always be worth it. You'll be blessed and you will be a blessing. And so let us pursue intentional and biblical friendships to have authentic friends and to be an authentic friend to others. In Jesus' name, amen.